0: the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Again, have to be careful of the speed. What a comeback season for Hal Sutton. Come right back towards the hole. 17 years later, Hal Sutton is the Players' Champion...
1: Hello everybody. Welcome to another Be The Right Club Today podcast. Hal, what is up?
0: Well, not so much with me, but there's a lot up with you. You played in an event this week.
1: Played in in, uh, an individual number two,
0: um, third term of the year. Uh, Had it going for a
1: little bit. I kind of felt the the juices a little bit. I played a memorial down here where they're going to have the Houston Open in a couple of months and um, shot 70 the first day and then uh, was five under through 11 second day, um, all my buddies are giving me griefs in I got nervous breath um i was at the time I was one shot out of the lead I didn't realize I was um, I didn't look at the leaderboard one time had a five under through twelve bogey thirteen birdied fourteen to stay at five under and then made a mess of made a mess of fifteen and sixteen went bogey double and shot seventy again but it was a lot of fun. It really was. I was nervy to start the round, first time to, you know, I was playing with some good players in our section, and and you know, just kind of getting back out there. Uh, one of the guys had PJ tour PJ tour status for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, he Carlos could really play, um, but it was it was fun. You know, we've been talking off air about you know some of the things I went through, and I. Um, you know, in the end, my my history. I've always been a little wild off the tee. I've always hit it a long way, but I've been wild, and I I, I hit a couple way wayward, wayward drives at the wrong time, and it and it I made a mess of the holes, and it and it kind of messed with me. And so I've got a, I've been kind of weighing whether it was physical or how committed I was. Something you know we talk about all the time on here. And mm-hmm. you know, in the end, I do I don't think my I was 100 percent there mentally. I think I did an okay job, but I wasn't as sharp as I could have been. And so that's the. That's this balancing act that we have to we have to figure out. How much of it was was my physical golf swing letting me down and how much was my you know my mental game being off.
0: So let me inject something here. You said you weren't quite your your mental game wasn't quite sharp. Yep. How many tournaments have you played in the last three years? Not very many.
1: <laughs> three and they've all been this year. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's the reason why I bring that up for all the listeners out there. One of the ways we get tournament tough is that we play in a lot of tournaments and we get tournament tough because we're tested a lot. Yeah. You haven't been tested a lot yeah. lately. And, yeah. uh, you know, I haven't told you really what I thought, but I sent you a text last night and yeah. told you I thought you played well. I know it wasn't what you wanted. But yeah. but for not having played any more than you played, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Was, and, yeah. I mean, to me, if I were you, I'd be optimistic about playing more. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I don't – like, like a, a couple people – like my – some of my
1: buddies were giving me giving me like choking emojis and stuff, and I you know and gifts and all that stuff. And I, I, really honest to God, I was not nervous at all. I didn't even know where I stood. The golf course, they didn't have it set up super hard. And the you know Ben Kern and some of those guys that that played well the first day, you know they I figured they were going to shoot three or four under again, and I I, I wasn't even close to the lead. But it was just nice to you know I was five under through eleven and birdied three in a row and I and I didn't even birdie in the par fives like I you know usually take advantage of the par fives and uh, it was just it was just a great feeling to see a couple of putts fall and just kind of get it going a little bit and frankly I was gonna try and birdie the rest of them and I I, I pit, had good precise plans and I just there was a little bit of fogginess from and this is some of the stuff we're gonna talk about today from getting over the shot having the having the the in the office I had the thought process where I want I had the plan picked out and then going from the office to over the golf ball there was some fogginess and i've just got to get better at it i've got to figure it out
0: well we'll get into that but one of the things you said some of your buddies sent the emojis of choking oh, and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff that's like fake media basically oh, sure. you know okay. they the world is trying to get you to get your cloudiness yeah. on what's really happening yeah. and think about what they're telling you it's happening right. that happened to me a lot in my career you know the media would write something about me and People that don't even really know, they're not yeah. really even qualified to have an opinion. Right. And, you know, all of a sudden, in a weak moment, I'm listening to what they have to say. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to point out here is is—is you need to get caught up as your greatest critic yourself, not the world, Yeah. basically, because half the world is not knowledgeable and the other half don't want to see you do well so man, that's exactly
1: right. and, and it goes back to the point of just how hard golf is already and yeah. it was funny you know carlos sins played on tour you know and he's um he's out at hugh snokes where you right. you came from and or were for a while and um he kind of made a mess of the first couple holes and he said after the fourth hole he's like man i've already did we already play nine holes already <laughs> and it was fun. i got home and i was so worn out like tournament golf is just it's just yeah. different and i was i was so tired and and again, the, the course isn't that tough and it wasn't that difficult, but like just it's, it's hot and, and feeling the heat and, and being in contention a little bit. It was like, man, I definitely enjoyed it. And and, and like you said, this give, gives me kind of a reason. Like this is the first time in forever, like I couldn't sleep going to bed thinking about my golf game. Like right. I, most of the time I'm not going to sleep thinking about my students' golf games. But it was like I was kind of feeling, OK, what can I do to kind of get through some of these issues and and be a little bit more committed and, and just just trusting myself and 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 you know, keeping that kind of clear picture in my head, you know, one of the things I struggle with is, you know, I, I, drivers always just been a little bit crooked. And my misses is you've, if you ask my college coach, he would laugh right now because he I, I, I gave him nightmares with some of the foul balls I hit off the tee when I was younger. And I'm better at it now. I don't I don't hit it near as crooked, but I still have kind of that scar tissue that in, in my head and I was just I just had a fear of this big right ball miss. Alt for the last three days practice round and the fairways were pretty open and didn't really have any issues but i was just fearing it and i the two balls i missed were left i almost over committed i almost said i'm gonna release this and let it go instead of just saying no i'm gonna hit i'm gonna try and hit it a little cut off that t or off that tree or, or or trying to stay more of like what am i trying to do versus i was in essence trying to release it so hard to not hit it somewhere where i didn't so want to
0: you go. you you committed to something, just not the thing you wanted to commit to. You made Correct. sure you didn't do that's right. what you were
1: fearing. That's right. And that's why I said I felt like my commitment was okay. I was probably a B or a B B B minus to B plus range somewhere in there. It wasn't like complete decommit you know, non committal at all. But I still wasn't quite as, as sharp as I have been in some practice rounds or as I was even two weeks ago at, at the Harder Golf Course in Deerwood. But you know, you don't just like you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago when I, I said I was kind of interested in going to play and playing, he you said I you have to to go test and see what you got and right. I realized really quickly like I can still play and I if I can go work on it a little bit I can I can definitely compete in this section and you know maybe you know have a chance to sneak into a you know a PJ championship at some point it'd be it'd be really fun to just go try and yeah. try and qualify through the section and, and do all that stuff but great learning experience you know i didn't like i said it i wasn't ner- i was nervous early on but i wasn't i wasn't nervy late the around it wasn't a nerve like oh my gosh i'm five under i've been under par before it wasn't that at all i really i was five under going into a tough little par three and hit a pretty good shot and just kind of cut it a little bit but i wasn't it wasn't like i steered it or anything like that i just i over committed away from a miss that i that i was imagining in my head and and that's one of the things we'll get into kind of process versus result in a little bit i want to kind of pick your brain on how you did it, and and sometimes it's hard to ask you these questions because you always hit it
0: so dang straight and hit it so good. Well, but not always, <laughs> not always. You know, I hit I hit a lot of straight shots, but I still had my moments where I didn't hit it down my target line. Yeah, sure. And you know, I mentioned to you before we got on air here. You know, um, when I was on tour, you know, you the guys that really playing good, you know, you look up and that ball started right where you had imagined. Yeah, and. It may vary a little bit off of that line, but at least it started on that line. Yeah. You know, you everybody out there listening, you know when you're hitting your line with your putt, you know that you're making some putts. Mm-hmm. But when that ball's not even starting on your line, yeah, for sure. you're not making anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I listened to that, you know, and said it myself. You know, I just couldn't hit my start line. Yeah. And if we're not hitting our start line in a full swing, then we're adjusting that club face, yeah. and it's having to happen fast. Yeah, sure, and, especially with driver. And that's usually when the I'm fearing right, so I'm going to make sure I don't go right and I go left. Right.
1: How many times going, talking about driver a little bit? Because I've always I've always been the type of player that I need. I felt like I needed to swing almost 100 percent with driver. Mm-hmm. I would tend to blow it right if I like if I didn't commit to it. I've always said. If I decommit, it's right. If I overcommit, it's left. Very rarely would I would drive or go full commitment, full let's say release, and it would go right. Um, with you, you know, you've always said you you had to be kind of uh, talked into or convinced to go go force to go hard. Um, do, what percentage do you think on average on average you swung your driver at like ninety five percent ninety percent? I mean, do you think you ever went a hundred percent on driver? No,
0: I don't think I did much to be honest. Where did with you, you learn that? Um. Uh, well, I I went a hundred percent when I was in college. When I when I was an amateur, I think I went a hundred percent. When I got out on tour, um, you know, I was working with Floyd Horgan and I was working with Jimmy Ballard. Both, you know, I'd go to one one time, one the next time, yeah. and uh, you know, Jimmy was really. You know, big on centrifugal force and keeping the forces, maintaining the forces. And every time I felt like I went really hard, I didn't feel like I could keep the forces. felt like the club got behind me too much. And I either had to slow down to get it caught up, and the timing of that was never effective for me. You know, to me, good players, the feel that we talk about having is, you know, right where impact is at. You know if you're on target at impact, meaning... The club is here, halfway down. Yeah, too far back or too, behind you or front of you. Well, no, there. what I'm saying is if it's you know, parallel to the ground on the downswing, you know if you're on target for perfect impact for yeah. you. And and if you gotta do something else, you're gonna do it. Yeah. You know, the mind is sharp enough that we can do a split second something, yeah. but it's usually not exactly right when we do that
1: and it's usually subconscious because we're out of position right whether we know it or not it's mm-hmm. it's making an adjustment to yeah. hit it. Um, you know the thing that fascinates me about you know I grew up in more of a speed I mean there were a lot of guys in your era that were trying to hit it hard but obviously I grew up with more modern equipment and, and kids lashing at it I always again always struggle with going at it smooth and you know we talk about taking inventory of your game all the time and I I think that I've got to develop I know how to do it now, but I, I've I've gotta be able to implement a controlled driver swing in competition, right? I could do it, you and I go playing a little fun game, I can chip driver, but I've gotta I've gotta be able to develop it. And it's interesting because you you kinda of learned how to cruise and I I can cruise with an iron no problem, but you put the driver in my hand and it's like because I've I've decommitted so many times that I've gotta I've gotta just go ahead and send it and it's it's just it's just interesting right like it's just something that i'm gonna have to have to slowly work on and and like you even said before we started like you i need to go out and go learn how to even go even like really slow like hit a hit a 200 yard driver that's fully committed that there's no anticipation there's no bailout there's no because we teach it with short game we teach it with putting don't anticipate the ball and i'm anticipating the ball a little bit too much
0: so you remember when you and i first got together out at big easy i would give a lesson and i'd tell somebody i'd see how slow you can go with a full golf swing with a driver yeah. and, and, and see how straight and, you can hit see it. how straight you can hit it yeah and the reason why i always used to do that i mean you know i think you asked me at one point and i said i don't know you just can feel everything when you do that yeah. and you know when you go full out you can't feel anything no.
1: Well, and and especially if you're not like in really good shape, like I haven't played much golf and I'm not in great golf shape, and I feel I mean I'm six seven and all knees and elbows anyway, and I feel hips and legs going all over the place. It's amazing I can even hit it sometimes. But what's funny about that is I I I always did the same thing with little wedges or irons, but I never implemented it with driver. It was just always like driver was just always full send and. <clears throat> I think obviously I know it limited me when I was younger because I, I had I didn't have as much control but I think it's something that going forward I'm going to develop and just, just add another tool to the toolbox and be able to hit a, bun- a bunting little driver. I can hit like a low hard fade but it's still swinging at it really hard. I've got to be able to just set there and go eighty percent because my eighty percent still going to go two ninety five three hundred. It's going to be long enough. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying. hear that. That, that. that was a little a little soft. <laughs> he bragged right there. A little soft flex, but but again, I I mean I can hit it a long way, but it can go crooked. So I uh, i am not am not a I'm not a fourteen fairway around guy like you
0: are. I, uh, I, I wasn't fourteen <laughs> fairways. You know, to me, the magic number if I hit eleven fairways out of fourteen. Uh, I was usually happy because the other two or three that I missed were very far offline. They were still. And I'll tell you something about not being very far offline. You usually paid a supreme price in the rough for not being very far offline because in those days, that was the rough that got the water. Yeah. And the further it's right the or right. further yeah. left you hit was thinner rough. Right.
1: Well, if I had 11 fairways around, I was celebrating with a a cake or
0: something. So just. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, golf is a tough game, you know, and I was just sitting here thinking as you were describing all that. Between you and I, there's probably not many people, if we're both sitting in a room on a lesson, the knowledge between the two of us for the lesson, both playing and both you know 3d and everything else in golf there's probably not two people that can sit in a room and have more knowledge for a student and we know how to do it but to go out now and do it like (laughs) you were just trying to do this weekend you know even makes the best of people the most knowledgeable of people still question whether we're doing it right oh yeah and I told, I mean, I was, I was nervous first hole. I had an eight, eight,
1: ten footer up the hill. And I mean, my hands were a little shaky and I've got an, I'm putting arm lock putter. So they they can't shake, right? That's supposed to take it away i pulled my putt probably two inches or three inches and i was like man it's just golf like uh, one of the things that brett mccabe said is it's like we're not going to die out there you know mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen i shoot 78 or 80 or whatever and i play bad and i i kept reminding myself of like like look i'm blessed enough now to be able to play where this this my score is not my self-worth like it was when i was mini it and stuff
0: well let's qualify this just so that's a golf death you can have a golf yeah you, out can. There. you can. And, and it, as a golfer, it feels that way. It feels yeah. that way, no, and that's sure. why this is so hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, we weren't worrying about physically dying. We were worrying about having, you know, no reputation after this is over. Yeah. What will our reputation be after this?
1: And I, and I think too, like I'm worried about, and it, we've talked about this a bunch, and even through some of the mental stuff we've talked about today, is well, I'm, I, I'm trying to avoid long lasting scars. You know, it's the scars that of the bad shots at the bad times that, and this is a perfect segue into the, to our next little topic, but, you know, Cam Smith versus Finau in the playoff, right? Yeah. And Cam's been playing great. And for those of you that didn't see, you know, they both, Cam and, and, and Finau both finished really well in the in the fourth round to, to best uh, John Rahm.
0: Right.
1: And then they get in the playoff on 18, and Cam, Cam hits it, Finau hits a good drive down the middle, and Cam blows it right out of bounds and makes double, and Finau wins. And I asked you, I said, you know, in a perfect world if you're in his camp you've got to tell him look you've been playing great it's one bad swing but if if in cam doesn't seem like the type of player that's going to let it bother him but if it does there's there's some scar tissue. Scar tissue, just a little bit of, a little bit of, a, a scar just got notched on his brain that he's going to have to avoid at times when he gets under the gun again.
0: That and as I fired back at you and I said, you know, Finau has struggled to get a victory in. Yeah. And of course, you know, Finau shot five under on the back nine, so he played really well, and he hit the drive down the middle, and then Cam hits it out of bounds and gives it to him, right. basically. So, you know, Tony is going to – I mean, I hope, Tony, if I, if I were in Tony's camp, I'd say, you played fantastic, you deserve to win, sure. all this sort of stuff. But in the back of his mind, he's wondering if Cam had hit it right down the middle of the fairway, what would have happened. Yeah. Right. You know, Tony wanted to win by his own accord, not by somebody else's accord. Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, Cam – you know, I mean, we go into decade golf. You know, Scott talks all the time about how there's 60 yards of fairway out there. And, you know, regardless, that's what you do. Or 60 yards of, you know. Uh, from trouble to trouble. From trouble right. to trouble. Yeah, right. And, you know, I don't always agree with that. Because you have, there are times that the shot that is at hand, you may not feel good about. For whatever reason. Yeah. And you, being the CEO of your game. Yep. Yeah have to validate that not, and I'm going to say this one more time, not before every tournament, not before every round, not before each nine holes, but before every shot. That's called total commitment. You got to make a decision. And sometimes that may be, I don't feel good with a driver here. I'm going to hit three wood. And to avoid, you know, I'm feeling blocked. To avoid avoid a flinch or decommitment exactly. or whatever it is, if you, exactly, if,
1: and that's that's where I, I completely agree with you too. Me being on the new school side, I completely agree with you. If you can't commit to driver on that particular hole, even if the math says to do so, like I I think you've got to over you've got to be able to sleep at night and
0: and and know that you locked in and committed to it. So we all are sitting here thinking about this, hoping, and you started this little talk here about cam thinking that that could be scar tissue that's because everybody has suffered with that the only reason why you know that that could be scar tissue is because you have scar tissue from that Mm -hmm. just like everybody out there has scar tissue from Mm -hmm. that don't think cameron hadn't thought about that sure and you know now his goal is to be to prove that that I have no scar tissue from that.
1: Yeah, because now he gets into another playoff, and let's say he
0: makes bogey and loses, and now
1: the media, just like they dealt you dealt with about the yeah. Masters or whatever, starts right. chatting. Oh, can Cam not get it done? They've got to write a story, and then that becomes a story. He reads it, and now in the back of his mind, okay, I got to, I got to get it done, or I don't want to be known as a yeah. choker, whatever it is. Right. When he just hit a bad tee shot on a really tough hole at the at just a, the the worst time.
0: Well, one of the greatest players of all time, Tom Watson. You know. They tried to label him choking in the beginning of his career. And he's far from a choker. And, you know, I just – you know, he was just – mentally tough enough to fight back on what they said you know
1: I, and I've always struggled with choking from the fact of like just how hard golf is one bad swing is not a choke in my opinion he just made a bad swing you know if you you, you do it over the course of nine or, or 12 holes or you you know you make a 10 on a hole because you made a mess kind of like Vandeveld okay fine you can maybe label van that Vandeveld decision they were just a bunch of bad decisions but I've always I've always struggled with oh he choked he choked he choked
0: well I you know for a little while there I was kind of active on Twitter and when tiger made the 10 on number 12 and then he birdied five out of the last six holes coming in i tweeted that tiger just made his greatest contribution to golf if everybody was looking he made a 10 and then made five out of six holes he birdied coming in he did not quit what a lesson for everybody to learn and not only that it didn't affect him mentally Mm -hmm. and you know if somebody else made a ten, if any of y'all out there yeah. listening made a ten, right. I can guarantee you, your thinking would have been different than Tiger's. Sure, and it, it kind of makes me think like instead of calling it
1: choking, it's like mentally quitting. If you right. mentally quit, okay, fine, that's different. But right. like if you just if you're committed and you're hitting bad shots, sometimes golf just kicks your butt, and that's that's what happens. Well,
0: mentally quitting is a better way to define that. Yeah, I think
1: that might be the best way because if you just completely completely get out of your process and can't bring it back in like you had to do at the PGA championship bring it back in and say no I'm going to commit and get through this and go execute because again if you can execute and you can you can lock in and and, and stay there mentally stay present mentally then you can sleep you can sleep at night you can live with yourself because sometimes you're going to make bad golf swings but if you can feel yourself flinching flinching not not completely trying you know locking into what you're trying to do
0: then that that to me is Quote air quotes choking. Everybody hits bad shots. I've yep. seen the best players in the game hit shots you wouldn't even believe they yep. hit. So, you know, just being prepared to hit them and then recover from them. So, you know,
1: let's go into kind of this conversation of physical versus mental, process versus versus result. And, you know, I, I really I really have one specific question for you that I'd like to I'd like to dive in a little deeper on, and it kind of goes into what we talked about with my tournament, like. I had a little bit of a fear of right and I was, I was anticipating impact a little bit too much. And you know, how, as, as if you were my caddy and you, 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 I hit a a, a tee shot or two bad or whatever, like what's, what's the message from the caddy to the player? And then how did you go about? and, And I guess really what I'm talking about is from start of backswing to impact to past impact. How did you, at full speeds, I feel like, to me, I feel like it's easier going slower at times. Like, it's easier to stay locked in over a pot. It's easier sometimes to stick because it's just a shorter motion. At least I've never, I haven't struggled with it as much. I got through the chipping hips a little bit, but how did you stay locked in? How did you stay, because there's so many times the brain can flinch, and, you know, how did you stay locked in mentally? We, we understand there's going to be ebbs and flows physically. You're just going to get out of position sometimes, but how did you stay locked in from, the beginning of the takeaway through impact to the finish
0: that's a great question I've thought about this a lot I mentioned to you great players are always aware of where impact is and what they need to do through impact Trevino made a statement I was playing a practice round with him at Memorial this was early on in my career Muirfield and Trevino said how he said if you can control the club face for this far at the bottom of the clock, at the bottom of the... Basically a foot before and a foot after. Yes, okay. exactly. If you can control it for 24 inches right there, you'll have a really good career. Now, that wasn't quite, that wasn't the definition that I was looking for. That was a brief, uh, real broad statement yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So, to me, I, I have a, a deeper thought than that the club face doesn't move much from here to here mm-hmm. but if it's having to move a lot from here to here you got some wide misses coming your sure, way a lot of open and closing of a lot the of face. opening and closing of the face
1: so again i'm i'm asking somebody that's that's been one of the straightest and best ball strikers to ever live to ever play this game and to ever live and you still hit it when you do hit it now you still hit it really good um obviously you know we have people all the time that can't they have no physical control over the golf club enough to where they can i mean their physical roller coaster is going to completely outweigh their mental their even if their mental game is, is sharp they're they're still so limited there walk me through let's let's even go to the players championship let's go to go to the 18th hole you knew exactly what you had to do you had to keep it a little bit you had you couldn't hit it left of that flag or you shouldn't hit it left of that flag
0: you know, well, a tee shot was a lot harder than a second shot. Okay,
1: so then let's talk tee shot. Okay, so you know you've been driving it well. You had some little swing thought. You had a target in mind. When you, got, when you stepped, out of, stepped from the office, the office being behind the ball where you were thinking about what you were trying to do, you had a picture, you had whatever you had going on, how do you then get through impact being completely
0: locked into whatever it was you were trying to do? My mind was quiet. Okay. But, but. I didn't have a thought. So that sounds contradictory. I had thoughts back there of what I wanted to do. Then I quieted my mind when I got over the ball and let it happen. I didn't have the last minute thought of, I don't want to hit this right, or I want to, I, I, or I. Yeah, there you wouldn't want to hit it left. Yeah, yeah, there I wouldn't want to hit it left. Yeah. So to me, I mean, I've referenced this book, you know, Dr. Kemp, at professor at TCU, wrote a book after he interviewed all the great players, and his. He condensed it down to one phrase. The greatest players played with the quietest minds. So you think the greatest players are thinking all the time, but they're not thinking all the time. They have already thought. They have already practiced. Then they don't get in the way with their mind. They let what they practiced on actually take place. Okay, so where I
1: I struggle with that a little bit, at least me personally, and then some some of the sports psychologists I've talked to, is if your, our brain does, I keep we keep talking about this, and I think Brett McCabe says, our brain doesn't like uncertainty, right? So if we just sat here and tried to be, and your generation is way better than my generation at it, because we, we've been inoculated with the phone, and we're. It, it's hard for us to stay on any topic, anything right. for more than seven or eight seconds, but how do we, it's almost, you didn't go blank, but it's almost like you did. It's almost like your brain wasn't, you didn't have a conscious thought at all you were you had you could say subconsciously you were you had the shot shape in your head you had some intention in your mind but you weren't really locked in on anything whether it was a feel or this or that right the fear for me and with a lot of the players that that we work with is and they talk we've we've talked to them about this is if you're not locked into something your brain can fire off in any 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 second or any time so do you think that you were mental? You were just so mentally focused at that time that you corralled your brain into going
0: anywhere else. That's what I am trying to say, really. Okay. I had a I had a target. Okay. I never lost sight of the target. But that's all I had in my mind was the target. Okay. I didn't have how I had to do it. Okay. To get it to the target.
1: Okay. So then you weren't. You were quiet. You had a quiet mind on a on a landing spot or on a tree or on a on, right. on something out right. there okay mm-hmm. so you weren't
0: you you didn't just go blank well in my mind i went blank but my but i had a target okay. you know i knew i was aimed i trusted yeah you know i always had a spot yeah i set up to the spot yeah i knew i was on the target all i've got to do is make sure my body and my arms are moving at the speed that they normally do but, know, no, but no real work no real conscious thought there no either. real conscious thought yeah no I mean i'm I feel where impact is I was feeling it really well I drove it really great yeah the only fairway I missed was on number 16 and I just loafed a little bit and it went just barely into the right rough yeah which is what it should do if I loafed a little bit yeah. and didn't quite get it released so when you were when you were a little off so say the
1: week after. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever asked you this question. The week after the hardest tournament in the world to play well in is the one right after you win a golf tournament, right? At least it's harder. It might not be the hardest. You, you know, I don't even know how you finished. Oh, I don't even know if I played the next week. I okay, or the yeah. next the next tournament. The that next you, tournament you could possibly you could you could remember playing it. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, your intentions the same, right? Yeah. What
1: goes wrong?
0: Well, nothing may go wrong. I mean, not necessarily. It's just, it's just the physical and the mental aren't as aligned, it's aren't just as sharp. You've relaxed a little bit. You know, you've accomplished something. You've celebrated it a little bit. You, uh, uh, you know, Tiger was one of the best at that I ever saw. I mean, most of the guys. You know, we won something big. It's a little bit harder to go to the next event with the same intention and intensity yeah. that you had the prior you, tournament you had the play. goal of
1: winning the tournament you won now you're relaxing a little right. bit, right but let so let's go back i because I'm, I'm so fascinated about this this part what kept you from playing at the players championship level more often when you look back and again this is such a hard question but but you being such a good ball striker and i've always said i thought you're you seem to be more you know just people listening at home listening to you talk on here you're very committed to you know when you you know, you, you just like uh, Phil Blackmore said, you get that scowl on your face. Like you're, you're tough as nails, hard to beat, like fully committed.
0: Well, I'll tell you, anger used to make me play really well. Yeah. Uh, I'd get agitated because of something, or, uh, you know, and it, it caused me to raise my intensity level. And, uh, you know, I. The return. Whenever I started playing well in ninety eight, uh, I was angry because people had already pretty much given me to washed up, yeah. basically. And I thought, I'm anything but washed up. Right. And, you know, the anger of of that yeah. caused me to knuckle down and play harder. I still didn't play great every week. Sure. I mean, you know, every time I I mean, the most amazing stat that I've ever seen is how few cuts Tiger Woods has ever missed. Sure, I mean, how do you keep your intensity level to that point? How do you win that many tournaments against the best players in the world? Right. I mean, he just got a different level of, you know, we're physical versus mental. Sure. I mean, he's on the high end of Of both of those things.
1: Yeah, which leads me to ask you, like, when... When you in '98, '99, 2000, when you were on top, or even even very early in your career, when you did like for me, I would say I'm obviously being six seven. I was going to hit some shots offline, but my biggest issue was not I didn't believe in my physical enough. My mental right. game was was too roller coastery to match a roller coastery physical game. Like, uh, but your physical game was super super consistent. Let's say use the word consistent. So. If you look back to when you didn't hit it as well or didn't play as well in and out of of 2000 98 99 2000 even though you, you were you know second or third on the money list those years or whatever um what what do you think it was what do you think was it was it more on the mental side was it more golf swing at times just getting a little bit off was it i mean because I, I i want i want to get into like when you felt like you weren't committed because I, kn- I know you had times where you felt like that
0: well, well yeah um if specifically we're talking 98 to 2001, let's just say that. Yeah. I would say physically I was a lot better off than I was mentally. And the inconsistency would be because of mental drift. Okay. And, you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, traveling is tough. Traveling with a family is even tougher. Yeah. Um, you know, answering to everybody else's needs and wishes is tough. It's distracting. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a team of people that took care of all that for me. Right. You know, and now everybody out there has got a team of people. Sure. So that the one person that's d- making all the money can focus on what he's doing. Yeah. I, you know, we had to be multi purposers right. out there. And What about what about
1: like in the round when you felt like, you know, you're hitting it pretty good, but just it, you didn't score as well as you could have or hit it as good as you, you had been because you weren't there. I mean, was there a... Did you have any weakness as far as pre-shot routine, as far as over the ball, like how? Because we we really haven't gotten into that a whole lot. Like mine was always at times I either wouldn't have a precise plan or I would flinch a little bit at impact.
0: Did you? Yeah, I never had a lot of the flinching at impact. You know, I, basically if I started the round mentally tough, I finished the round mentally tough. Yeah. And 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 so if you didn't play real well, it would be it would have been more of a, my
1: physical motion just wasn't I wasn't as precise with my movement patterns as I mentally
0: you were you would look up and be surprised if it didn't go where you where you thought it was supposed to go yeah well well what I'm saying is if if mentally I wasn't very sharp because of other things whenever I got there I carried that out on the golf course with okay. me which might have affected the physical part of it too so if you were you were caddy how Sutton
1: or coach how Sutton to player or how Sutton in 99-2000 would you have said you needed to be more precise in your game plan like office stuff like you needed to think like make sure you've eliminated all the outside world and said okay what what the hell am I trying to do on this shot
0: yeah but that's not done back here behind this one particular shot that's done before you ever start the round okay you know I mean you just don't float out of there on one particular shot on something you know, you either can't get your mind off of whatever you were thinking about, yeah. or um, or you do get your mind off of it. You yeah. know, I was never a, you know, I never, I was an intense player. Yeah, I didn't float in and float out. Yeah, uh, I mean, it always amazed me watching Trevino and and Fuzzy Zeller. They floated in, floated yeah. out, and I never knew how anybody could do that. So,
1: not too many times would you have like a back left pin with an eight iron in your hand and like bail out right
0: like don't go right you didn't have too many of those times where it was like Guh. no I would I'd get more I'd get too aggressive in those places okay you know I'd short side myself or uh you know if I wasn't on own the money I would short side myself and so would
1: you find yourself your blame then would be placed more on just you overcooked it bad golf mm-hmm. like almost not bad golf swing but but a physical issue and yeah. not necessarily yeah hmm that's interesting. So you said something to me. So I, I made the comment that I like to f- hit fades off the tee. So I'm a I I I I've never been great at drawing driver, and I've I've kind of built a driver that now is all fade all the time, and I I control it a lot better. And I told you that I was fearing at that turn at this turn of the last couple of days I was fearing a right ball, and I was having a hard time. I was having a hard time being 100% locked in that I'd pick a target. I'm t- gonna try and fade it off of here, and then it was almost like. I'd set up to the fade and then I'd say release it and I told you I said I think if I could go back I would have been better off if I would have just committed to fade 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 like over the ball I'm thinking fade 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 and just be an athlete and go 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 moot because I've hit enough of them like with an iron if I'm trying to hit a cut with an iron I'll preset a little bit and then it's fade 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 like I just have a I I considered a process thought but but you almost hinted that that might be a result thought what where does your mind go when i when i say that i mean do you think that having a thought process over the ball to, to curve it one way or the other depending on what the shot requires is that too result oriented or would you consider that still a process process oriented
0: feel or thought so i i used to get this sort of question a lot when i do clinics or whatever how do you hit a fade do you know how i hit a fade i see the fade yeah i don't Run through a checklist of all the things I got to do to hit a fade. I've just hit enough fades in my life that I allow my brain to say, okay, let's see that fade. And that triggers everything in my body that I need to do in order to hit the fade. But the minute I start questioning the process of how to do it, okay, what do I need to do to do that? It complicates things. So whenever I've told you that, you know, my brain is quiet and I'm allowing it to happen, meaning i looked at it i saw what i wanted to do in my head i the imagery in my head is clear i see exactly what i want to do then just let it happen because i've hit that shot you know i mean people used to ask me you know when i when i beat jack nicholas at the pga you right. know they'd say you know were you nervous I said no i wasn't nervous because I had beat him a thousand times right. now he wasn't standing there watching me yeah. but the process was already very clear in my head yeah. of what i had to do and i think sometimes we get in our own way well thinking yeah. too much
1: yeah As, especially at
0: your level that you you again you had so much control over over how you hit it and what you did. See, we were talking out there beforehand, and I said, I really want to go out and play, and I want to do it by start lines and feel. Uh-huh. See, because I look at TrackMan numbers all the time, and I look at video all the time, it's making me think of all the things that I never played with. Right. And I'm curious as to how I'm going to do yeah. after having done this for a while now. It's like, can I go out there and let my mind go quiet. Yeah. Well,
1: it's funny you say that I haven't. I haven't looked at my swing on video or Trackman or force played data, 3D data but like three times this year. I haven't looked at it in probably 3 months. Now, I'll hit a shot and see the Trackman data when I'm demonstrating something, but like I haven't I haven't looked at it at all. So,
0: I've got a question for you in front of everybody. Here we go. I'm nervous. <laughs> so, you look at you see it when you hit a shot, you see what the numbers are if one of those numbers was way off of what you intended to do what would that do to you
1: okay so this this is a great question so let's let's use let's just say club path so path a zero path is if you're at home plate and baseball zero path is second base negative path is third base positive path is first base if i if i if it was everything was set up perfectly and i i hit a stock shot what i felt like was a stock shot and my path was let's say more to the right than i would would be no i would i would definitely take notice because from a factual standpoint i know if i'm gonna hit fades there's got to be those numbers have to be in a range now if it's
0: two or three degrees i don't care so i'm going somewhere with this yeah the reason why you haven't taken notice i mean seen your swing more track man numbers is because when you have hit that shot those numbers have reflected what you thought they should be so your mind is quiet with that your mind gets active when it's not that okay
1: so so are you saying we can we can use the data to to help quiet our minds you could yeah Sure you could I'm just messing with you. Yeah I know you're <laughs> Messing with me but, but yes you can But I And I think too Like this That's a, This is a, a, a Cool subject A cool topic Because I think If you don't have A plan with The data as a player If you're looking at it Then yeah You can get lost In the 27 numbers That man gives you And be all over the place But I think if If Hal Sutton gets on track man and gets a baseline for how it fills in here and then goes out and swing, you know If you want to hit a little draw then the numbers There's some factual numbers you got to get to if you want to hit a little fade There's some factual numbers you've got to get to right, you know And that that would be the only thing I would say like I don't care about clubhead speed or I don't care about I mean a little bit of carry distance obviously, but I need if I'm gonna hit my little cut with a six iron I got to have a path. That's a little bit left
0: so, you know we really couldn't quantify distance and people weren't really chasing distance in my early days like they chase distance now Mm -hmm. and you know we chased an accurate shot because we had a wooden club with bulging roll and heavy they were heavy and And a a spinny ball and a spinning ball so we were really trying to do everything we could to hit it. The faster I went, the less effective I was. Yeah. And so, you know, it's tougher in many ways now, even though the equipment is set to allow that, you know, to hit it straight. You know, most guys are, you know, I, I see very few come in here that are worried about how straight to hit it. Most of them, I'm talking better players. Most of them are wanting it to come down further from them. Yeah, <laughs> they're wanting more distance. Mm-hmm. And,
1: but, but I would say too, how many times do people come in here? I, what I was going to say when you were saying it is, like, I don't, I don't think drivers. I don't think it's easier to hit fairways now with the new equipment than it was necessarily back then. I mean, you guys chase control is basically what you chase, solid contact and control. But I think, I mean, how many have you? Has there? How many players have come in here and said, "I hit my driver super straight, and I can't hit my irons at all"? None. Almost.
0: Yeah. I mean, but, I re- but here's the reason why I think people can't hit it straight now is because they're swinging at it as hard as they can swing at that, it. That's. So that's I mean, you know, we could argue this point from now on. They have equipment that allow them to do that, so they do it. Yeah. So they're not straight, but are they not straight? Because why are they not straight?
1: Yeah. And. Yeah, yeah. From whether it's club face awareness or or inconsistent motion, or it's full out effort all the time, and they can't they can't really feel it. And I, I think it goes back to the, the biggest point. And you you've been teaching it for years, like you said. But like every student that comes in here for a lesson, we we almost we almost everyone if if they're trying to make a change, we slow them down.
0: Yeah, every one of them, we slow them down. And I'm you know I can't tell y'all how many times I give a lesson, and it'll be for an hour, and they won't hit. 20 balls. Yeah. I'll make them take swing after swing after swing without a ball down there, yeah. doing something in an extreme, trying to show them that they can get the club where they want to as long as they don't have to see where the ball as goes. Long as the minute they have to put the ball down and they're going to see where it goes, it limits them on yeah. doing anything extreme. I gave a lesson this morning on putting. And, and there were two guys
1: there that were watching. They both had fought yips a little bit. And I said, on three or four footers, they said, how do you get through them? And I said, honestly, I was like, what? We, we've got two or three really good players that have either closed their eyes on three footers. They've looked, watched their hands on three footers. They've looked at the hole on three footers. Why? So they could get through it without f- worrying about contact and flinching and anticipating and they, they could survive. And, you know, you even at one point chipped with your eyes closed on, on the champion's yeah. door, which mm-hmm. is, uh, to me takes the most commitment of anything I've ever heard. Like, that's, that's crazy. But it was a way for you to commit because you knew you would there would be a little bit so of a flinch.
0: I'm going to say this. You just opened the door for me to say this. Most of my career I hit through the ball rather than at the ball. Yeah. The minute yeah. that I start thinking about at the ball Amen. Yeah. is the minute I struggle. But if I think through anything, if the I had the first guy that ever gave me a lesson was a guy named Ed Pack, God rest his soul, he was a great guy, and he used to tell me, pretend that it's a sheet of paper and all you're wanting to do is bust the paper. Yeah. And you know that may be why I swung at it easy most of my life yeah. was because all I was trying to do was hit through it and bust the paper. Uh, you know, people that are swinging at it hard, it's like an explosion. You know, and I never felt like it was an explosion. I felt like when I played my best, I laid the ball out there. Yeah. I didn't feel like I hit the ball out there. And I felt like the. The ball, and I guarantee you, there's been other people that have said this. Some of the best players in the world felt like the ball stayed on the face a long time, and literally, we know the ball cannot stay on the face a long time.
1: Yeah, and I, I think some of that too was you guys played with such squishy, squishy golf balls that it felt like you know you were you you had an eighty or ninety wound whatever compression golf ball, and it it felt that way. Because now the golf balls feel so hard that they like let's like they spring off the face. But I agree. I mean, I, I, I still feel like I I you know we you you compress the ball into the ground which doesn't ever happen but that's what the feel was right that ball's ball. long gone by then mm-hmm. it's yeah. interesting this this stuff's so interesting to me um like I, I i told a i told a friend earlier i you know two or three years ago i would have been 95 percent physical motion and five percent mental and and i i dropped the ball on that and i, I there's when we've got kids or people playing in tournaments, like we've just gotta make sure that they're good from, from
0: start to finish. So I'll ask you a question now. You've been asking me questions. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. So we've got seventy-two holes of the the other tournament that you played was a partnership tournament. So yep. we've got seventy two holes of individual tournament golf now. Mm-hmm. So improving your golf swing this is really important so y'all listen up to the answer here we got to improve your golf swing we got to improve your mind mind yeah say that a little louder mind (laughs) so here's the reason why I bring this up when you get to a certain level in the game can you improve your golf swing yeah you can but it's going to be minuscule compared to the way you think but understanding your own mind you have to do that yourself one of the things that i talk to a lot of people about is being responsible yourself to your own game you know instead of trying to hire out of it yeah i mean you know he and i are the hired hands Mm -hmm. you know people try to hire out of this tell me how i can get better well we might be able to tell you how you can get better but soul searching with understanding is the way you're going to get better because you got to ask yourself you're doing this right now Mm -hmm. you're asking yourself the questions what did i feel even in the middle of the swing Mm -hmm. see that's deep soul searching when you're thinking about what happened from about right here on the way down to about right here because that's happening in about a third of a second or less so you know to define that to actually put that into words where you can do something about it, that's called real soul searching.
1: Yeah, I I slept terrible last night, and I was I was thinking about what I could do, and I I feel like I feel like some of the physical stuff is actually just getting my body in better shape to to handle going fast and late in the around. And I mean, I was so tired after that round, just physically. I mean, I hadn't it was hundred degrees outside, and I hadn't played a ton of golf. And I played I played Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Right. Mm-hmm. I played three days in a row. First day, I played three days in a long time, and so. And for me, if I was, if I was you know, going to go play again full time, first thing I'm going to, you know, or play more, and I'm going to plan on playing more next year, was to get, get in a little bit better shape, be able to handle going faster, because I think some of my pulls could have been my, my left knee, left hip bailing out a little bit, because again, my commitment level was okay, but i could be better mentally and that's my goal going forward is i want to be 100 mentally because i know now that i'm i'm going to hit some crooked t shots and i've got to be okay with that and i've just got to know look if you commit to it and it's crooked okay fine like go i've learned how to scramble i've hit enough little punch shots through trees and through gaps and trees and stuff so if i can commit to every shot i can i can sleep at night if i don't commit to it that's when i can smack myself in the head so
0: i, I think this needs to be brought up too You know, every time you talk about me, you talk about me like I never missed a shot. I missed a lot of shots in my life. (laughs) A lot. So I I hit it
1: 400 and you never missed a shot, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I watched Hogan in his 60s. You know, he still swung at it great, but he still missed some shots. You know, I'm sure that if we could get people to talk about hogan when he was even playing his best he hit some average golf shots yeah i mean i watched nicholas hit average golf shots that a lot of y'all out there listening to us or watching us right now could have hit maybe not under the same circumstances that he hit them but you were capable of hitting the shot that he hit or even a different way of saying that he hit a shot that you were capable of hitting right So no one is perfect. So we have to go out there with the mindset. My goal is this, recognizing that they're not all going to be perfect. And I'm going to try to, I say this often, put one good shot on top of another good shot on top of another good shot, knowing that the string is going to end, and then I have to restart it again. So you can't quit. You talked about mentally checking out, or however you phrased yeah. it, not choking, just mentally quitting. Yeah. You know that bad shot triggers quit. It, it triggers I can't think, yeah. instead of what do I need to do now? Yeah. And would you would
1: you agree that? There is a mental roller coaster and there's a physical roller coaster and our, our in the end our goal with golf is to make them both the most boring that we can make them. If our physical and mental roller coasters aren't much roller coaster at all, then you have a Jack Nicholas or a Tiger Woods.
0: That's so you've seen me do this a bunch of times. I'll hold up a golf club right here, and I'll say if this is perfect, if straight line is perfect, our hope is to just parp us yeah. instead of we do this yeah. big because up and downs. Yeah. Big up and downs because. Sometimes we won't change until things are drastic, and then sometimes we don't change our thinking, and we're way up here until we start this trend, and then all of a sudden, what's happened, you know. But if we could recognize what we're doing in this, you know, porpoise state when it first starts to happen, and the only way you do that is you stay in the game. You know, you can't venture in and out of the game. I mean, this is. You know we talk about this all the time on here i think i played all the sports i think you played the majority of them too i think this is the hardest sport i ever tried to play and frankly that's why i loved it because i knew if i could conquer this not everybody else could and you know you know i got a picture of tiger woods right there that he and i together and then i got one right underneath him is michael jordan and so a lot of people, I made a statement the other day that Tiger was a mental athlete. And the guy said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, ball never went anywhere until he moved it, so he had to mentally move it. I said, Michael Jordan was a reactor. He reacted to what the ball was doing and what the play was doing. He didn't have time to think about it. Yeah. He reacted. If we can react in our golf swing to what we mentally thought were a better players, Instead of reacting to a
1: fleeting thought, sure. Like your your T shot eighteen was you were reacting to a target. Yes. I've, I've heard I've heard guys say it. so. So take us home with, um, you know, the guys listening at home that are going to go play this week or next week. Talk through just what their goal is, process, golf course. What what are you what are you going to leave them with? What do they need to take home?
0: Well, it's a broad question. I guess I could take that about anywhere I want to mentally, all mentally. You know, uh, have a plan, all that stuff. Well, I think your plan is based on what you've been working on, whatever that is, and uh, hopefully you've been working on something, and you go there with some sort of plan, um, and then to execute the plan, you know, to to not panic because of something not quite working out. You know, we get I talk a lot about staying in the process rather than allowing the result of something to pull you into something else you know so many times we're working on something and a result causes us to end up somewhere else completely one bad shot yeah. yeah one bad shot causes us to end up working on something completely different than what you went there to work on i can tell you you never gave the first thing a chance if that happens because most of the time tournament the ball result causes different things to happen. And you got to you got to flow in this, you got to let it happen for a little while. And uh, don't abandon so quickly. So last question for you in the in the course I've asked you this before, but in the course of a tournament round or a,
1: a round of golf that matters, how many shots would you hit in a row a little offline before you make an
0: adjustment? That's a good question. You know, uh, dependent on you know, which direction I was missing it and how bad I was missing okay, it. Okay. So your tendency later on in your career were little pulls. Mm-hmm. So you pulled,
1: let's say you pulled the iron, the first iron shot, you hit on one, you pulled number two is a par three. You pulled it a little bit. You
0: pulled the third iron shot on, on three. So if they were, uh, small misses, you know, let's say the, the, uh, let's say this, and this happened often, you know, uh, I'm aimed at the right center of the green, the pin's on the left side of the green, and I pulled it over there two feet from the hole. Good shot. Crowd (laughs) doing this, down deep in my heart, I know I pulled pulled it it 25 feet. No, you pulled it. So, you know, that has to... See, that's also false. We can be lured into, that was really good. Now, I don't throw my club down and tell the crowd that that was pulled 25 feet. Right. But I have to recognize in my own mind, hey, look, you know, is that going to be my mojo that day i'm gonna have to aim 25 feet right and pull it all day or what am we going to do you know my my changes i never tried to adjust this unless i had to
1: just your release or just my release unless i had to. so would you aim it I would aim it differently. So if if you're just pulling a little bit or just pushing a little bit, you I might know. you might aim it first and then and the one thing I tell people is just make really, really small adjustments, whether you're gonna aim the club face a little bit more or just something really small to kinda get you you're gonna see you know, salt it a little bit, don't oversalt it to where
0: it's inedible. So I we were sitting there one day with my parents when I was young and my we had somebody join us for dinner that night and they asked me about, you know, change and swing changes and things like that. And I said, you know, this is kind of like cooking, you know. You can oversalt something and then it's ruined. And but the right amount of salt or pepper makes it perfect. Yep. So, you don't you don't just boldly walk in there and dump yep. it all in there to your point. That's right. You gently and, until you get it. And this is all assuming that pre-shot routine was solid
1: commitment was solid you know you were locked into what you're trying to do completely locked in mentally and and the physical just caused a couple little miss
0: again this is the hardest game i ever played i want to make another point too i've seen a lot of a lot of people that swing at a golf ball great and then i've seen a lot of players that are really really good sometimes they're the same person sometimes they are the same person but not always are they the same person. Yep. Y'all think about that. Pretty good way to pretty good way to end it.
1: Yeah. As always we enjoy doing these guys. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next time.